0: Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. I'm asking you to open your Bible now. First Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5. This year, in sermons once or twice a month, I'm preaching through First Corinthians. And today, this sermon is based on chapter 5, And in addition to that, a section in chapter 6. Let me remind us that Paul wrote to this local church in Corinth. From the first four chapters, we have a very clear but sad picture of what was happening there that needed critical attention. In that local church, there were squabbles, Jealousy, competition, with more focus on men than Jesus Christ. It was so bad, Paul had to address their division with stinging indictments and bold corrective instruction. Now, one basic problem was their view of men, preachers and teachers and the apostles. And in chapter 4, Paul wants them to understand how they should regard Paul, Apollos, and other faithful teachers. And I said about all of that a couple of weeks ago that men in Corinth had wheeled into the church the Trojan horse of celebrating and following men instead of devotion to Jesus Christ it was killing the church paul was responding with remedial instruction from god men who deliver the gospel are not to be exalted and celebrated and blindly followed they are servants stewards who deliver god's message that brings us now to chapter 5 in first corinthians in preaching through first corinthians In chapter 5 and over in the last part of chapter 6, another problem in the church at Corinth, one that we in our present culture are familiar with. Let's do our reading now. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven Leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and envy, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, and swindlers, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. I take you now to chapter 6, a related subject, 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute Is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. As 1 Corinthians chapter 5 begins, the reader is jolted by this scandal. This man who was still among them, Notice in verse 1 the phrase, among you. This man who was among them in the local church assemblies was living with his father's wife. (coughs) Whatever that might be called today, the apostle Paul was guided by God to call it sexual immorality or adultery. Not someone who had left the Lord long gone, not someone out in the world about whom we cannot discipline, verse 10 says. An adulterous affair still there in the local church. Apparently, not only was nothing said or done, there was an arrogance about it. No shame. No action. No effort to bring the guilty to repentance. Why was this important? Number one, those guilty of sin need to be confronted with their sin and an effort made to bring them out of sin. We are a people who work to save the lost. We want people to come back to the Lord. The church should have made strong effort to bring Those who were guilty to repentance and not be arrogant about it. Number two, the impact on the church is to be considered. To have a member among you, you're associated with, in your assemblies, engaged in behavior even pagans would not tolerate in their groups. And yet the church was silent. Such tolerance of sin tends to corrupt the group. And this is where the imagery comes into play, where Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Should anyone in the church at Corinth argue, well, it's just one case of sexual immorality among us, Those people sitting over there, it's just one case. Here's the answer Paul gives to that argument. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So there is divinely prescribed remedy. Cleanse out the old leaven. In this case, purge the evil person from among you. Withdraw from the person. Verse 9 says... Do not associate. In verse 10, Paul makes it clear he's not talking about people who've left and are out in the world. Among you is an important phrase. We are not the moral police of the world. But we must not just overlook people who are present in the group, who are members in our assemblies, guilty of open sexual immorality about which there is clear evidence. Paul said, actually reported. Verse 13 says, God judges those outside, but we are to respond to those among us. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, may I take you over into chapter 6. ...for a clear discussion of the behavior condemned in chapter 5. And that's in chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. We read a moment ago. A long time ago, in my own Bible reading and study... ...or maybe listening to someone or reading a good writer... ...I was compelled to underline this phrase from that paragraph in chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. And that phrase is, The body is not meant for sexual immorality. I believe any approach to this subject must begin with this very simple truth. God put sexual pleasure in Marriage. In Hebrews 13 and verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Not only is sexual pleasure all right in marriage, Not only is it not ugly or destructive in marriage, it says it is honorable in marriage. God put sexual pleasure in marriage. When sexual pleasure is pursued and engaged in outside of where God put it, it is wrong. At such a level... God says in Hebrews thirteen four, I will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And here in the church of Corinth, what God judged, they ignored. And they were arrogant about and there was no shame having a sexual immoral relationship among them. But now, back to that phrase I've underscored. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Let's bring this to our age. In our age, in our culture, there is this totally fleshly, selfish attitude. Put into words, it would sound like this. I will do with my body as I please. For my pleasure, nothing else considered. It may sound like this. If me and my girlfriend want to have a relationship that results in a baby, we will just abort the baby. Some wind up having babies but not taking good care of them. I'm sure you all understand. It's much easier to make a baby than it is to raise one right. We live in an age where sexual pleasure is considered an individual right. No matter who gets hurt, and no matter how much it cost, and no matter what God said when He made us and set up marriage, So here is the truth to underscore, not only on the page, but in your mind and in your life. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Now, let's look in closer. And let's narrow this down to members of the body of Christ. Please understand that every human being ought to respect God's law of marriage. And comply with the creation principle of sexual pleasure only in marriage, where God put it. Yes. But as members of the body of Christ, there is an additional level of gravity about sexual immorality. Here's the way Paul describes that in chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. He's very clear. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord... Becomes one spirit with him. Now, this should be alarming and sobering. Something we ought to be attentive to if we are Christians. I am a part of Christ. When I involve myself in sexual immorality, there is this ugly, shameful thing I'm doing that goes directly against and immediately disturbs my relationship with Christ. I am joined to the Lord. That reality ought to keep me pure and should cause me to respond negatively to all forms of sexual immorality that I might be tempted to engage in. I have three points of application for us from the text in 1 Corinthians 5 and from chapter 6 verses 12 through 20. Flee sexual immorality. One of the most valuable purposes of the Old Testament is rich illustrative narratives. Many of the things we read in the New Testament, good or bad, are illustrated back in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you become acquainted with two men who acted very differently in similar experiences. In Genesis 39, when Joseph was tempted by a woman, he ran from his boss's wife, saying... I cannot sin against God. In Second Samuel 11, David did not run. He stayed and committed adultery to his own great regret. That tells me on a very simple level that when I sense the presence of temptation, I need to imitate Joseph and get out of there. I need to run. Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're so great that you can stay there in the heat of temptation and not be burned. I think I know what a lot of people think about all this. A lot of people think, well, it can never happen to me. If you think that, I'd like for you to interview some person you know who has fallen into this sin and ask if they thought it would have ever happened to them before their sin. Here's the best policy. And beyond policy principle for Christians, flee sexual immorality. Regarding this subject, as seriously as Paul wrote it, I think it certainly means don't let sexual immorality become a source of entertainment or humor. I will tell you that I do not know how you can watch acts of adultery in movies or television or other video media, while claiming that there's no element of temptation possible. Or that what you're doing contributes to your inner purity in any way. Why would a child of God watch people engaged in sin as a form of entertainment? Come on. I just don't get it. And humor, jokes about such things that God takes so seriously. Scripture speaks specifically to this in Ephesians 5 in verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. The new living translation says obscene stories foolish talk and coarse jokes these are not for you thirdly glorify God in your body can i show you something in our text in 1 corinthians 6:19 Just a phrase that is packed with so much meaning. Just one phrase. It says, you are not your own. Think of that. Contrast that with what you hear so many people today saying, it is my body, I'll do with it what I want. Contrast that with this statement in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, you are not your own. I'll tell you this, I don't know of anybody who made their own body. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, the Creator. He gave you a body to use while you are here for your good and His glory. What I do with my body ought to reflect my respect for the one who gave me a body. The same one who gave you a body. Everybody, therefore, who has a body, God made it. He is the owner. And so glorify God in your body. Sexual immorality is killing our society. We who believe God put sex in marriage are in the minority. But worse than statistics, God's wrath has been expressed over and over again when His law of marriage is ignored. Sexual immorality is killing our society And there are people who once named Christ as their Savior in repentance and baptism who have fallen into this sin and who live there and who justify it and seek validation by their presence in local church assemblies. Paul says you cannot look the other way. Some have left the Lord. They're not among us anymore. But Paul teaches, when there is sexual immorality among you, you cannot look the other way. Glorify God in your body. That's my protection. That's your protection. To acknowledge God's ownership and to recognize that the body he gave me is not meant for sexual immorality. And so what I will do is that phrase at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Glorify God in your body. If you are not glorifying God in your body and with your life, why not start this morning as we stand together to sing.